On this episode of the Average Sean Podcast, we get into the most recent and very exciting Dan Snyder news. Weird to say those words in the same sentence. Uh, talk a lot of NFL, some trade deadline, a lot of picks. Get into college football, and we wrap things up with what should probably be the best game of the weekend, college or pros, in Tennessee, Georgia. Let's get to it. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Average Sean Podcast. And, Chris, I'm going to skip all introductions, dude. Today is a glorious day. Dan Snyder has hired Bank of America Securities, which seems like the first major domino to fall in him selling the team. And all the Bofa jokes aside, <laughs> oh, I, I, I have not had a moment of this much joy when it comes to my professional football fandom, I think in my entire life, which is pretty pathetic. But Whoa. Entire life. Sir, I'm a fan of the Washington football team. You mean the Mark Brunel era did not bring you any joy? <laughs> listen, man. I'm li- Campbell. <laughs> listen, I've, I've lived through Patrick Ramsey. No offense Oof. to Patrick Ramsey, but is he in CTE studies right now? I don't, I don't know, but <laughs> either way, um, yeah, it, it seems like the day that I thought would never come might actually come now. And I like I want to like think of jokes, try to do stuff lighthearted, so this isn't like you know the most serious podcast in the world. But dude, I can't lie. This is just this is so much. Fun. Go ahead. I just had a simple, simple simple question for you. You know, this drops late morning today, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, both of us naturally at work. I'm still at work, by the way. Would like to just deem that this is going to, this has to be entitled office hours because I'm currently recording this during office hours. Don't tell anybody. But anyway. um, (laughs) As he just tells on himself. Um. I would love to know your immediate reaction because I saw it come up. I think it was an ESPN alert or something. Actually, honestly, it might've been like a New York times or CNN type of thing that that popped up on my phone. Um, And I was just like, what? And I was in the middle of like running between meetings and I was like, Sean's got to be pooping his pants right now. (laughs) So here's the thing. My first realization of this being a possibility was you texting me about it because I was at work. Uh, I was, you know, occupied helping out some kids uh, with some homework that they were working on. And oh, so you were doing your job. It's surprisingly, yes, I was doing my job. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I was in there doing it. All of a sudden, I get the text from you that says, you know, like Danny Boy selling, and I'm like, what the hell? Like, first of all, I knew exactly who you meant because I only refer to him as Danny Boy, so I knew exactly what you meant by that. And I was like, uh, excuse me. So, of course, I go to the arbiter of all factual information first thing. I go straight to Twitter uh, to see, you know, is this accurate or is Chris being ball sack sports right now? And, you know, I don't know, getting a a different version of an Onion article sent to him. And no, I I see this notification 
And I'll admit, I have withheld myself from feeling any type of anything when it comes to this man, because I've just, I've always seen it as he's going to find a way to weasel his way out. And for the first time in my lifetime, I actually was like, wait, something might actually be happening. Like what? So I, I tweeted out the, uh, I, I I don't watch the office, but I do know the quotes and everything because it's, as much as I'm not a fan of awkward humor, it is a very quotable show. Uh, so I tweeted out the uh, the gif of, okay, this is happening. Everybody stay calm. Everybody stay fucking calm. Um, and, and that was my reaction was just like, stay calm. It's still Danny boy. He, he's still got his slimy ways, but this might actually be happening. Well, and so I guess removing the historical implications that that he's had the negative historical implications that he's had on has the he had any positive historical <laughs> implications come on man okay but so the past few weeks they've been playing a lot better since carson wentz has vanished and we've got the re- sean you're looking at me like that they're they're winning they are four and four right now winning doesn't mean they're playing better have you seen who they've played Sorry, I've got a really squeaky chair in this office. I don't know if you can hear that, but <laughs> is, that, um, is that squeaky chair your conscious going, Chris? You know the commanders still suck. Well, so I, I was gonna kind of spin that into a two-part question. One, do you think that this news, regardless of whether it is him actually selling or if it is just the minority owners, like you mentioned, he um, doesn't have any anymore. Oh, uh, what? Well, sorry, uh, he's looking to get minority owners. My bad. Right. So is it? Do you think that the timing of this is is for the the current team good or bad? Considering that they are on a two game win streak. Um, okay. You know, first I, of all, I, first of all, that's right. Three. Sorry, three game win streak, even better. And then also, so that's the first part. And then the second part of the question: What do you consider a successful season for them? This, I, I hate <laughs> to say it, but but this. I, I went into this season with my one and only true goal for the team to suck as much as possible so that way he was as unprofitable as possible so that way the other owners had a reason to for him to sell the team or to force him out, whatever they needed to do. So whatever they do for the rest of the way, this is successful because, it, well, again, assuming that he is selling. I do have to hesitate there because, again, it is Danny Boy. But this is a success. You know, beating the Bears 12-7, to not a success. It's the Bears, and the Bears could only put up seven points. Have the Bears looked better in recent weeks? Yes. But they only put up seven against Washington, so not great. Uh, Packers, they beat them. One, they got saved against the Packers by several penalties. Two, the Packers are dog water this year. Uh, And then three, they just barely beat Sam Ellinger and the Colts. I don't care about your damn on-the-field product. Yeah, they've won three straight, and they've looked like shit in the process. So, it's like saying, you know... So, if Schneider sells fully, and they were to go, they ended the year 4-13, and you'd be content? Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. You kidding me? I wouldn't. Right. I wouldn't care Look, if the news broke in the next thirty minutes that he sold the team. 
I wouldn't give a flying fuck what happened the rest of the season. You know, like I would be right. the happiest dude, whatever. Now, the, the one caveat I do have to put to the at this is I am well aware that whoever ends up buying the franchise, possibly Jeff Bezos, is also going to be a scumbag because you don't get to be that rich to be able to afford an NFL team without some scumbaggery. It's just, it's not possible in America. I'd like, to, I'd like to think that's the reason why I will never be that rich when the fact of the matter is I'm just not that smart. But um, <clears throat> that's a very positive outlook on that, though. I like that. I've never heard <laughs> anyone spin it like that. I'm not a scumbag. Therefore, I'll never be rich. <laughs> but, I mean, but also there's like rich and then there's like NFL owner rich. Like that's a different tier. I'm not a scumbag, therefore I'll never be any form of rich. Um, now, there are plenty of people who are rich, who are good people, yada, 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 get all those caveats in there. But still, I am well aware that whoever owns this franchise next is going to be some level of scumbag. They're going to have some level of baggage. But it's not Dan Snyder. And I'm sorry, I hate to put it this way. But think about the Clippers going from Donald Sterling to Steve Ballmer. I mean, Sterling was an asshole. And they got him out and they brought in Steve Ballmer. I've got no doubts that Ballmer probably has some uh, some skeletons in his closet. But it seems like the Clippers have become a, a stabilized NBA franchise. It seems like in the era of all internal information becoming public because of whistleblowers, that the work environment is nothing close to, you know, what Washington's work environment is. So for all intents and purposes, while believing that the man probably has some skeletons in his closet somewhere, you know, at the same time, he, he does things well enough as an owner that you don't have to think about it. And Anybody who watches professional sports and enjoy well sports of any level uh, after high school, that that's really the goal is just, you know, in the end that there's some sort of scumbaggery going on somewhere and you just want to be able to be like, you know what, keep it quiet enough that I don't know what's going on. Just, just don't tell me. So I, I will not care whoever, you know, takes over. Even if it's Jeff Bezos, I will rail against Bezos, the businessman, at all times. But my debit card already bows down to him, so why shouldn't the rest of me? True. I mean, and it would be interesting to me if he actually were to go through and, and buy the Washington team. Um, I don't know what that would do for the Thursday night football deal, because you'd imagine that's some conflict of interest. But at the same time, I wholly believe that if the NFL wants it to happen, they will make it happen. Well, he isn't direct obviously he's the creator and founder and he's a minority owner in amazon still actually uh, either that or he might have cut all ties but he sold the majority of the stakes so maybe it's not conflict of interest um i will throw this name out there um because he's been rumored to buying the nats is caps owner ted leonis i don't know um if he's at all even looking at at buying washington football team um but there's a DC guy who has obviously purchased the caps and now is apparently the front runner for the Nats um, as well. So it could be I, interesting. I do want to put one thing out there. Um, saying the term 
he's a DC guy does not inspire confidence. Uh, because as soon as you said DC guy, my mind immediately went to Capitol Hill, and I was like, "Oh, oh. Um, okay." So maybe I, we I don't want those DC guys hanging around. He's a, he's a Tyson's Corner guy. How's that? That's where I'll, majority I'll take, of it is. Oh yeah, Tyson's Corner. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that because that's in Virginia. Um, but, there you go. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, th- this news breaking after yesterday with the trade deadline. You know, I, I saw that. The commanders, and I will actually right now refer to them as the commanders. Uh, I saw that they traded William Jackson the third, who was a, a cornerback who just never fit our system, uh, which no fault of his own. Uh, they, they got rid of him, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like you know, we didn't do anything too crazy, but we made a productive move on move on the trade deadline. I'm not too upset about this. Uh, and then this comes in, I'm like, oh, oh. The productivity from yesterday seems even better now because now we might have an owner in the future who might possibly be a good owner. And honestly, even if they're a bad owner, it's still not going to be Snyder. So it, it 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 can't get any worse than what it is. That's basically what I'm getting at. So that trade news, good to hear. Today, excellent. But bringing it back to the trade deadline, holy crap, yesterday was kind of crazy. It was. I mean, honestly, I, I being so wrapped up with things at work, I'm like, my phone's igniting with all these trades. And I'm like, man, this doesn't happen typically for NFL. Or I feel like if it does, it's typically more spread out. But this was like, what, 11 moves on one day or something like that? Nine moves on one day? It was a lot of moves. And it was a lot of unexpected moves. And I, I would be remiss if I didn't break up the most baffling move made yesterday, which was Jacksonville trading for Calvin Ridley at the trade deadline. What are y'all doing? Well, so yeah, that's, that's pretty wild, especially since the irony of that he was betting on the Jags games. Right. And then, you know, I, I guess they want him to continue gambling on the Jags games. Um, that was obviously a, a big move. Honestly, I was surprised that the Bears went after Claypool. <laughs> like, I'm so here's the thing I'm not surprised they went after him because I think that they have started to improve their front office maneuvers a little bit better. I'm surprised Pittsburgh traded him. Really surprised. I mean, I one thing, all bias aside, is that this the Pittsburgh is notorious for developing receivers. Always have been, at least underneath the Mike Tomlin era, and probably always will be, to be honest with you. So I'm, I have no doubt that they'll be drafting a receiver next year. Um, and in a way, it's kind of them waving the white flag on this year, I think. Um, not that they really haven't already, but I think their loss last weekend was basically the, you know, the final. I was going to say, either uh, this is their way of waving the white flag or Claypool did something really bad in the locker room that we might hear about later. Because the the wow. kind of talent that Claypool is, you you don't let that go easily. He's he's a really good receiver. He is. I mean, I think to be honest, I think he suffers from the Juju syndrome, where off field he's probably not as focused. I mean, but on the flip side of that, he is just a natural younger player, right? This is the the current modern day player. He's not he's not of the um, God Randy Moss era, where like. You know, he might have been wild off the field or even Terrell Owens wild off the field. You know, Claypool, I think, is wild in his own sense, kind of like Juju. 
has the phone in front of him the whole time and TikTok is a is a relevant thing. Whenever I hear Terrell Owens, the one thing that I'm reminded of is as weird as he was off the field, as far as I recall, like he never got into any like actual trouble off the field. Like it was always just like football related and you know, possibly being like a bad teammate or however you want to view it. But in terms of like, you know, handling his day-to-day business, needless to say, he's he's like the furthest thing from Antonio Brown that you could ask a diva wide receiver to be because he, he was a diva, but wasn't exposing himself while he's over in Dubai. True. I mean, you also have to remember that we we don't know what's happening behind the scenes, and the Steelers were able to keep the AB drama, you know, tight lipped for a long time. Which you is have to impressive, wonder, given how things are going nowadays. Right, and I to be honest, I do think that he's more unhinged now than he was then. But um, with Claypool and Ju- and Juju, um, obviously going to the Chiefs last year, you have to imagine that there's something happening behind the scenes. Um, they are also a younger team in flux. They don't really have the the Roethlisberger's, the Palomalu's, the Chuck. Um, what's his name? Um, not Chuck Clark. Ryan, Ryan Clark. Ryan Clark. Um, you know they don't. He doesn't. They they don't really have the veterans' presence, especially on the offense right now. Obviously, Najee kind of taking that role oddly enough as a second year guy um and we all know how great of a year he's having <laughs> so um you have to wonder if all that plays into the the claypool move um the ridley move was odd how about the hawkinson thing where vikings loading up well the vikings also dumping him within the division which that's definitely a white flag i think that's the sign that dan campbell's getting let go at the end of the year um, probably but he wins <laughs> uh, yeah um but at the same time minnesota going for it they they sense blood in the water in green bay and this might be their best chance given the state of the nfc to get a uh, top two possibly even one seed because their only loss is to philly and i can't imagine since it hasn't happened since the 70s that you know a team actually does go undefeated all the way through the season i get that New England had the 07 undefeated regular season, but I don't think that the Eagles are the 07 Patriots. It's hard to replicate that no matter how bad your conference is. So I have to imagine they drop one or two just purely based on the fact that like it's it, it's the NFL. So it, it just feels inevitable for that to happen. They could potentially be looking at a chance at a one seed uh, if they can pull off another win against Green Bay and take care of their business against Chicago, Detroit, take care of the rest of their schedule. And they've, they've got the commanders uh, coming up this weekend. And for me personally, I think this is where, you know, Washington kind of comes back to earth. The only thing that I'm noticing right off the bat is unfortunately for Minnesota, after they have Washington, they got Buffalo in Buffalo. So yeah. they, they had better hope the Eagles get three losses. Because at best, Minnesota's coming in with two. Definitely. I mean, and and ultimately, obviously, everyone's looking for that buy. Um, it's like everything so far this conversation revolves around Washington or some former Washington player. Um, hey, you know, Kirk. Do we, do we trust him in the playoffs? Oh, hell no. He, he no. has the potential. Does he actually overcome that? He's Personally, the, I would love to career. see that. 
Yes, I would love to see that. Do I think it's going to happen? I'll believe it when I see it. I don't necessarily want to believe it because I don't want to believe that a dude who puts his stake on the girl with tinfoil around it is the kind of guy who can win a Super Bowl. But, you know, that's just my own personal biases. He probably also eats it well done. Truth. <laughs> um, well, so what, so what about some of the other trades? Any other ones that like pop out at you? I'm surprised the Dolphins are going this this in this like this early in the uh, who's their head coach? Mike McDaniel uh, in, in his McDonald? era. McDonald. I think it is what I think it's McDaniel. Mike, one of those. <laughs> but you know they traded for Bradley Chubb and they get. I think they got Jeff Wilson from San Francisco. I, I mean, that's. Surprising, I, I and not necessarily because the Dolphins aren't that good, but because first of all, if you're going to trade for anything, trade for an offensive lineman that can keep Tua upright because he's already been injured enough. Just keep him safe, please. Like I get that they're doing well, but I have to preface any thoughts about the Dolphins in my brain with please just keep Tua safe. He's been through enough that like he shouldn't be playing right now in my unprofessional opinion. I don't want to see him get hurt because the, the kid deserves to have a long, healthy life, not just career. So should have traded for a better offensive lineman. Didn't know if there was a market for one, but outside of that, uh, yeah, Bradley Chubb is like one of those guys who's always been very, very good and very consistent and never really gotten the publicity for it. That's a big time move. Trading away all the picks that they did to uh, to get that, surprising. Uh, and then I'll also have to admit that the one that really surprised me that didn't go down was Alvin Kamara because the Saints need to restock. They, they've got too much money invested in too few players, and they really need to just rebuild the whole program there. And you could have, in the market that that was created this year, you could have gotten a lot for Kamara, even if he didn't necessarily deserve to get that much in return because he is a running back. He is a running back. And to be completely honest, I'm surprised that he's playing this year, considering all the off-field issues. Yeah, um, that, that may have also diminished his uh, his potential for a return on investment, but look at me trying to sound smart. Uh, <laughs> but... It's still the NFL, and Antonio Brown did still get multiple chances despite all of his issues, so not like we've done a great job of really caring about these sort of things. Truth. Um, I, I guess sticking within the AFC East, I, I'm going to be honest, I really like, and this is scary to say, I really like the Bills trading for uh, Hines. Um, I think that, well, one, Hines is under contract for a handful more years, Um they moved off of, uh, what's his name, Moss, Zach Moss, who honestly they hadn't really used much in the past year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to take some pressure off of Devin Singletary, who, like, let's be honest, if we're talking about the Bills as a whole, their biggest weakness, and this I see biggest with an asterisk next to it because it's not like a glaring hole, has to be the run game, right? So now um, this hopefully takes some, some weight off of them. And, man, the Bills are a juggernaut. As long as Josh Allen's healthy. And also, let's not forget, San Francisco did trade for Christian McCaffrey, which, God help him, if, if he can uh, if he can stay healthy, that's pretty solid. 
Uh, oh, super salad. I'm, you know, I am shocked at you. This slipped my mind, uh, but I'm shocked at you for letting the Roquan Smith trade slip by. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, how do I say this? I'm surprised. I'm not surprised that the Ravens made a move. I'm surprised that they that they made a move for a guy who on an expiring contract. Um, I really hope that there was like some type of clause in there that we just had, don't know about yet that um allowed uh you know that will allow them to re-sign him. Obviously, that's not how business works. So I just ho- I'm holding my breath that uh that that's the case. I mean, otherwise, yeah, it shores up our linebackers. Ravens defensively. You're, you're getting didn't. two guys back from injury uh, this week yep. as well. It's like Bowser yeah, and Ojabo. Yeah, I don't know how much Ojabo is going to play. Obviously, he's coming off a very significant injury with the um, Achilles tear. But um, yeah, Bowser should be back. And honestly, the Ravens. I, I'm I'm hesitant to say this, but the division is clear. Is in right now. They're in, it's in their control. And I'm not just saying that because they're in the first place. I think that with um, Cincy's injuries, it's kind of up in the air. Um, I will also say, not to, to take the spotlight away from the trade deadline, if we're starting to look at the overall playoff landscape, the Browns winning on Monday night kind of threw a wrench into the AFC North as a whole because now you got the Ravens, uh, effectively a game ahead of Cincy who is clearly the second best team um, when they're and healthy the, when they're healthy and the thing is is that the Browns are still somewhat hanging around and they're going to get our good old uh, massage buddy back not too far down the road unfortunately we'll see because there have been some new accusations that have come out which could change things who knows uh, but this also just goes to show how good of a coach Kevin Stefanski is because he has kept the Browns frisky to this point when they are working with Jacoby Brissett, who, no offense to Jacoby, has proven to be a, a quality backup quarterback, but not an NFL starting quarterback, at least one that can, you know, do a whole lot of things for you throughout the course of the full season. So, right. um... I mean, Stefanski honestly kind of feels a little bit like uh, Brandon Hyde, in, an, in just in like in a different context because – weren't expected to do much doing a whole lot more and based on when they were expected to get to Sean Watson, you could say that they're ahead of schedule. So I, I'd at least consider him for some coach of the year awards. feels like he deserves it. Yeah. But you know, for a fact, Pete Carroll is leading that charge right now. Ooh, no, actually I did not think about that. Yeah. That's, that's a good call. <laughs> uh, either that or I, I, maybe Nick Sirianni over, uh, over in Philly. True. Not you know um, who would be your coach of the year right now? Oof, honestly, for me at this very if the season ended today, it would probably be Pete Carroll, just considering the state of the Seahawks and their roster and how they kind of dumped players and I guess I should have um, assumed that since you know you did bring him up first. I mean, I think Sirianni Sirianni would probably be second and um Stefanski would probably be third. Um I think Sirianni has obviously done an amazing job, but I think it's not even in question. The Eagles have more talent than the Seahawks right now. So I think that you, whoever had won Seattle and New York this past weekend would have been the lead, whether it be Dable or Pete Carroll. Uh, so I think having Carroll in the lead isn't 
you know, the worst uh, thing in the world. I think Stefanski is one of those guys who like should get, you know, extra consideration, but is, is just not going to win the award. And no, no chance. I would actually say that right now, not necessarily my coach of the year, but I'd say right now voters are going to go between either Sean McDermott or Nick Sirianni because they're leading the teams with the two best records. So Also, and, and I guess if we're talking at this very moment in time, Salah's got to be in that conversation too. Again, at least St- right St- now, Stefanski catching extra considerations, not actually going to have a shot to win it. He he's that sort of guy. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. Which speaking of, so we got Eagles Texans Thursday night, and uh, man, I got to applaud you. I kind of jinxed you, but going back over our overall uh, NFL picks last week, you were twelve and one. Or sorry, yeah, uh, thirteen. No, and you two. were thirteen. Yeah, but you were 13 and one prior to Monday night. And uh, I tweeted about it and I jinxed you. You know what? I, I don't mind the jinx in terms of the Bengals winning. The, the problem I had with that game was I needed that game to have two more points to split a pot with a guy in like a picks league that I'm not actually in, but the guy who is in it gets all of his picks from me. So we were tied with another guy for we had all the all the same picks. Uh, well, this, we had the same record with one loss going into the Sunday night game. But everybody in the league had Bills winning and everybody in the league had Bengals winning. How'd that work out for the Bengals? Uh, but because of that, we immediately jumped to the tiebreaker points wise. And if they had scored anything more than eight points in the first half of that game, because I had the over uh, for that, I would have just gotten you know close to two hundred bucks without actually putting up any money at risk. So you have to believe a chance to win some free money, and I lost out on it because they can't uh-huh. score the damn ball. Uh, it was just it was killing me. So, yeah, and there was a blocked field goal in that first half. Y- yes, yes, there was. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> but yeah, no, last week was a good week picks wise. Uh hoping I can replicate it this week. Doubt that'll happen, but hopefully hopefully I can replicate it. Hey, um, you've pulled ahead. This is a three you have a three game gap. Three plus three on the games currently so over far, me, which is the that's the widest gap we've had all year. Thankfully, I'm starting to get rolling on that. We'll we'll get to college <laughs> football in a second where I'm kind of going the other way, but we'll we'll get there. I'm, I'm same. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, so we both have the Eagles winning Thursday night. Um, glad that the game's in Houston. Uh, that way you don't have to worry about, you know, fans flipping between World Series and uh, the football game. Uh, but I think we both just understand the Eagles are the better team. Could something weird happen? Because Thursday nights are weird. Yes, but Eagles. Kind of cool that the the two World Series teams are playing each other. Yeah, it's it, interesting kind of dynamic there, uh, needless to say. Uh, Colts and Patriots, we both took the Patriots. Uh, I think it's, for me, it's personally just because I, I trust Mac Jones a little bit more than I do Sam Ellinger. I, I don't really know what to make of this game, so I'm just going to go with the home team. I, I'm going to be honest. I like the Patriots' defense, and I trust their ability to run the ball a lot more than I trust the Colts being able to put up points. Fair point. Uh, Packers at Lions – I'm personally just on the train of I can't imagine Aaron Rodgers losing that many in a row, and it is the Lions who he owns. So 
I'm taking the Packers. Same. Um, but let's be real now. I, I so badly want to pick the Lions here. If Aaron Rodgers and the Packers were to lose, I think if they haven't hit the SOS button, I think I don't know what's going to happen. Oh, if they haven't hit it, then jump the SOS button. Just go to the burn it all down button if they lose this game. Yeah. Uh, Chargers at Falcons. This is going against my normal rule of, you know, whoever's coming off the bye, I would favor a little bit more. But for some reason, the Chargers have just been kind of underwhelming this year. And the Falcons have been either really, really good, especially against the spread, or they've actually won some games where I feel like they shouldn't. And this feels like the kind of game that they shouldn't win. But since LA is going from west to east and it's a one o'clock start, give me the Chargers. Or sorry, not the Chargers, the Falcons. Feels yeah, weird. I mean, I almost said Chargers is like a Freudian slip because it's so weird to say, give me the Falcons. <laughs> Man, so what do you have the Falcons winning that division? <laughs> right now, <laughs> Carolina could win the division for all we know. Yeah, um, I'm picking Chargers mainly because I trust their offense more, I think. It's. It, they have to be the most bipolar team in the entire league. Some weeks they look fantastic. Other weeks they just look terrible. At a certain point, you know, maybe two two years ago or so, we were able to say, oh, they're just a young team. At a certain point, you've, you know, you've got to recognize take the next step. You, you have to take the next step. You They've been through this before. Um, I think that they so desperately want to get to the playoffs with Herbert. And so I would imagine that this has to be almost an, a must win. Like this, this is a winnable game for them. We'll see what happens, but I'm going chargers. Uh, everything in my brain says take the chargers, but whenever I do that, they usually end up disappointing. So I'm kind of fading myself on this one. Uh, Bills Fair and enough. Jets. Um, hopefully Josh Allen doesn't get bored like he did against the Packers and throw a few interceptions. Cause I feel like this one could be over early. Yeah, and I mean, I'll be honest, I I think that while the Jets are improved, I think specifically their defense has improved. With Brees Hall out last week, I mean, and even with Brees Hall, it's not like their offense was shredding teams. I it, The Bills will play this any style the Jets want. And the thing is, is that the Bills can easily outscore them. The Bills will be looking to get that run game going that we talked about previously. Um, I, I just, the Bills are... The, the Bills check all the boxes. Um, so barring injuries, I don't see the Jets winning this. I will also say that the, this is an odd spot for the Jets. Obviously, they were kind of like a media darling last week. They were 5-2. and two. They lost to the Patriots. Close loss. Um, I think it was closer than what the scoreboard said, um, to be completely honest with you. But what the, you know, looking at their upcoming schedule, they got the Bills this week. They have a buy, and then they have a Patriots Again, one of the, that's quite a stretch, and that will make a break or division for you. Also, hard to say that of those three games, the Pats, Bills, and then the Pats again. The Bills was probably the the one loss that they were willing to take. Um, so you have to imagine that the guys are looking down the road. They've got bye week ahead, so they're all thinking about wherever they're going to take a short little vacation. And I just don't see the Jets being able to pull off the offset. Especially with all the Elijah Moore drama, they're gonna—they're probably gonna end up either trading him in the offseason or just cutting him. Yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, Vikings at commies. Uh, 
this one, despite all the good news, feels like to me, Kami's come back to earth a little bit after winning three straight. Uh, if this game were in anything other than a one o'clock window, I would say that the Kirk Cousins revenge factor would be too much for him to handle because it's not in the one o'clock window. But the most important thing with Kirk Cousins career is that this is in the one o'clock window. So uh, give me the Vikings. Uh, give me Justin Jefferson to run all over our defense uh, and we'll just keep it moving. Ditto. Agree with all that you just said. Taking the Vikings as well. All right, Panthers and Bengals. Uh, as much as I say the Panther, Panthers have been frisky, and as much as I think uh, the Bengals, you know, were embarrassing Monday night, uh, I'm going to take this as kind of like a, a general principle game. Bengals got embarrassed. They want to come back. They want to right the ship, especially with a guy like Joe Burrow at the helm. And teams that end up looking frisky for, you know, when, when they start offloading a whole bunch of players and, you know, basically going straight to the rebuild mode, it only lasts for so long. And I think that, you know, playing against a, a hated divisional rival like Atlanta made that game a lot more interesting than it would in most cases. I think that this game will end up being still fairly close. I think that the Panthers would cover whatever the number is. But I'm going to take the Bengals just because I, I think that they they need this one. And after last week, they they need to, you know, in their minds, make up for what they did. Yeah, I mean, Panthers have the capability of stealing this game, obviously, but I think the Bengals see this as a must-win at this point, honestly, um, considering that they just lost to the Browns. Um, the Bengals are the better team. Um, I also don't know with uh, no uh, Jamar Chase. Their passing a game looked awful, and obviously, you know, you think, well, they still have T. Higgins and they've got other weapons and stuff, but that shifts the defensive assignments pretty hard um so you know now t higgins is lined up against their you know who fill in the blanks team number one corner and they've got to worry about that matchup and they they miss jamar chase and actually i'm surprised that they didn't put him on the ir but they need him to come back i guess later in the season but in order to be playing later in the season meaningful games they got to win these games right uh raiders jags um i don't trust either team I get the feeling that after last week, Derek Carr is going to force feed Devontae Adams, and I feel like that's going to be the difference. Give me the Raiders. Truth. I mean, and I'm going to be honest, I don't see the Jags being able to put up that many points. I think the Raiders can want to play shootouts. I don't trust the Jags to be able to put up that much point-wise. Bears-Dolphins, give me the Bears. Uh, This is going to be, for me, uh, the frisky team that I think can pull a game out this week. I feel like a lot of people would – potentially go with Carolina based on how they played the last few weeks. Some people might hop on the bears because they'll be excited for what they did at the trade deadline, but Justin Fields has been playing better. Uh, the offense has been making a lot more of a, you know, consideration towards running him and just using his natural abilities. The dolphins looked terrible at first against Detroit last week. They were on the road. And I think, part of what may have helped them is the fact that they were in a dome. So I think being outside, being on the God awful turf that is soldier field, I think it's just going to be a weird enough to actually have the elements involved in the game, as opposed to being in, a, in an enclosed environment. I, I could see the bears pulling off of the upset here. So I'm going to take a risk and take the bears. 
You're you're trying to sway me, Sean. I've got Dolphins mainly because they're definitely going to be excited about their new talent, and some some sometimes those those games immediately following the trade deadline end up being total flops because guys are still learning their assignments. You know, they've got to adjust to to new roles, and it's not just the one player. It, it adding a player um, like Bradley Chubb shifts the entire defensive assignment um, for the positive obviously but that's something that they then all have to be able to adjust to um i i mean as long as two is healthy two has looked great so hope he doesn't die go dolphins i guess yeah uh seahawks cardinals for me i'm taking the cardinals because this is a one a pride game for kyler murray he's probably heard all of the call of duty jokes i'm sure he heard about patrick peterson uh and his little celebration at the end of last game Again, pride game for him. Um, definitely a pride game for Cliff Kingsbury and for the rest of Arizona. Uh, I do think that the Seahawks are performing way above expectations. I thought that they were going to be a dumpster fire this whole season. I'm going to categorize this one as NFL game. Not in the sense of like, obviously there's a game in the NFL, but it for me, it feels like it's going to be that game where everybody's going to be hopping on the Seahawks. So the Cardinals are going to win because they're at home. They just played each other. The game was a lot closer than you would think it was when you take a look at the box score. And you just chalk it up to weird shit happens in the NFL. It's just, it's an NFL game. So that that's my justification for that one. True. Um, I will say though, I mean, pride aside, I, I, Cardinals, man, really have not looked the same since James Conner got hurt. Um, obviously, he's one of those guys that is seemingly always hurt, just being a running back and being a physical guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I I have him on my fantasy team, um, and it's like he's close. They don't know when he's going to be back. He's still not practicing, but a guy like him necessarily doesn't – I wouldn't expect him to have a full week of practice. Um, so – uh, for that reason, I'm going Seahawks just because until they get him back, who is, I mean, such a valuable player for, for that scheme too. Um, I'd like to think that Pete Carroll just keeps rolling along. Also, I don't trust Kingsbury at all. Oh, neither. Uh, I, I gave my reasoning. I'm taking a shot in the dark with this one. Uh, Rams bucks. Uh, same thing that I said about the Packers. I just can't imagine Tom Brady losing this many in a row. Uh, the Rams, Cooper Cup's a little bit banged up. I know they said he avoided any structural damage, but it's a cross-country flight, one of two uh, two late window games. Uh, so this Sunday, the, the 4 o'clock hour is going to suck. Uh, but, I just, again, pride. You know, I, I think that if they were playing in L.A., I'd probably go with the Rams, but I don't think the Rams are that good. I don't think the Bucs are that good either, but I think pride-wise, Tom Brady needs this more than like Matt Stafford and Sean McVay do, so I'm going to take the Bucs. Yeah, and as much as I want to take the Bucs, and I, oh, you're trying to sway me, I, I think that Tampa's offense is just pathetic. And even on a bad week, I want to say I trust the Rams' offense more than I do the Bucs. That's, so for that's the, fair for 
for that alone, I'm going Rams. I know it's it's an East Coast game for them, but it is the later time window. So um, plus it's day, the last daylight savings switch that we will ever experience. So maybe they won't be as tired. I don't know. <laughs> Since we gain an hour. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, Titans Chiefs. Uh, I, I'm assuming Malik Willis is still starting this week, but even if it was Tannehill, Chiefs off a of bye week, you might as well just chalk that up to be a W. Yeah, I'm taking Chiefs as well. I don't trust the Titans to be able to outscore the Chiefs. Even um, uh, the, the Chiefs are really good. <laughs> you know, like it's hard to go against them. Yeah. Uh, again, especially after a bye week. All right, uh, Ravens Saints. Uh, I'm taking the Ravens largely because unlike Vegas, they will actually get the ball past the 50 yard line. So I I do not see the Saints pulling off two blowouts back to back. Yeah, I don't either. But the Saints are also one of those frisky teams that could flip things. Um, both teams want to be able to run the ball, um, but I also just I, I trust the Ravens defense. I can't believe I'm saying this considering how they started the season, but. I like the Ravens defense right now. So going Ravens, hopefully that doesn't jinx it. Fair enough. All right. We are starting to get close to coming up on time. We got about 20 minutes left till you guys skedaddle. So let's jump to college, get to some things that we both agree on right off the bat. Uh, Bama and LSU. We both agree Bama's going to win. We both think LSU is going to cover a 13 point spread. We're both taking the over 57. Uh, my reasoning behind this is that I don't think Brian Kelly's good enough to win consistently at like the upper echelon in the SEC, but you know, LSU has improved significantly through the course of the season, and Alabama just hasn't looked quite Alabama-esque this year. So, I don't know. I think that's just enough for them to get a backdoor cover, uh, but not really enough for you know them to win the game. Yeah, no, uh, I agree. It's hard to root against, or it's hard to, to go against Bama. Um, and even though I'm taking an over 57, if this were set at 60, I would definitely probably go under. Um, you know, these SEC games, there's obviously a lot of pride on the line. And um, this feels like the right line are, for this game. This does, but I, I will say some of these other games that we're highlighting, the lines seem kind of off. Well, let's go to the next one that we agree top to bottom on, and that, that's Wake-NC State. Uh, we both got Wake, and we got Wake covering the minus five, under 54. Um, Wake embarrassed themselves last weekend against Louisville. So this is a you-got-to-get-your-shit-together kind of game uh, for Wake Forest. But also, NC State, without Leary uh, at the quarterback position, they've been dog water. So I picked this game because both teams are ranked, but – this feels like a get-right game for Wake, and I feel like they're going to go into Raleigh, and just because they're on the road, I think that NC State might keep it within 10, but I'm going to take the five with Wake. Yeah, I agree. I mean, NC State's defense is also good, um, and Wake has kind of been super inconsistent, so you never know what you're going to get. These, you know... Uh, huge conference games. Um, simple enough. I think that, you know, familiarity. Um, 54 still feels low, but I just have a feeling this is going to be an ugly game. I don't think NC State is going to really be able to score. So that that's where my, my feeling for this comes. 
Um, Tulane and Tulsa. This game is interesting for no reason other than it gives us a reason to talk about Tulane because Tulsa. Well, and Tulsa, yes, but Tulane has been the <laughs> surprise of the season so far. You know, they're they're ranked in the top twenty. I did not realize that until I went to go look up games this year. Took a look at their schedule. They have some impressive wins. Also, if you can hear the helicopter hovering around me, I do apologize. No, I don't hear that at all. Oh, you cool. probably hear the hall, the mess of hallway and echo that I have in this office. So, either way, um, I think Tulane will cover the seven and a half and uh, over fifty eight because I've taken a look at their schedule. They can score a lot of points. Tulsa just hasn't shown that kind of consistency when they play good teams. So. I don't know much about either team, but on the surface, uh, give me Tulane, especially if they wear their sick-ass jerseys that I think they wear every week. So unless that for some reason changes, I'm on Tulane. Yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, and Tulane's been able to to put up points. Um, nothing like no extreme barn burners, but they, they've been able to, to do what they need to do to win games. Um, and I just don't think that Tulsa is a formidable opponent for them at this point. Um, Obviously I will say a team like this, you with Tulane, you always worry about them hitting the inevitable road bump. Um, You know, do I see them finishing the year 12 and one or 11 and one, depending on how many games they play? No, I think that they'll hit a road bump at a certain point. And granted, this is a home game for Tulsa, but I don't see them really worrying about that. No, uh, it just, on the surface, from what I've seen, I haven't watched a ton of either team. It it feels yeah. like, you know, everything that Tulane is doing, there's a reason why they're ranked. So I'm just going to go with the ranked team here. Truth. And kind of like what you said about the sick jerseys, um, I have a, a family member, that, that a cousin of mine that went to Tulane, and also the name Green Wave is pretty sick. Um, oh, it's so pretty fantastic. Why not? <laughs> yeah, go, go Tulane. <laughs> All right, uh, Clemson and Notre Dame. So Clemson uh, is ranked, I think, a little bit higher in the initial college football playoff ranking than people thought they were going to be. Uh, Notre Dame didn't have the season that they wanted to at this point, uh, but they have been a little bit better in recent weeks, uh, especially after losing to Marshall uh, early in the season. But I picked this game more because I got to admit, I was looking for a sixth game to put on their schedule, and that was a struggle. This is not a great weekend slate. So I get the feeling that there are going to be some games that I will dial myself into, one in particular, which we'll get to at the end. This is not one of them, uh, but I feel like this is just a, a moment to say Clemson's going to keep rolling. It, it looks like Clemson's a shoe-in to win the ACC, and as long as they continue to go undefeated, they will be in the college football playoff. Yeah. Um, which is kind of crazy to say because, you know, this is a, what I would still consider a down year considering the past 10 years of, of Clemson football. Um, I will say um, I'm taking the under here, which is set really low. 44 um, and a half. Yeah, 44 and a half. I'm taking the under um, mainly because I know that Clemson's offense has looked better. I still don't know if I necessarily trust them. And you have to imagine this is uh, considering the state of Notre Dame's season, this is a, a must win game for them just pride wise. Um, and they, they record aside, Notre Dame still has talent. Um, I just, I, I feel like this is going to be 
a 17 to 13 game type of game with Clemson coming out on top. So I'm going to take the over just because this, the number is so preposterously low that I just, I I have to take it on principle. Um, But you and I do both have Clemson covering a three and a half point spread. I think that Notre Dame has improved. I just don't think that they're on Clemson's level, even if neither of us are particularly sold on the Tigers. Yeah. And I mean, neither team's offenses look great. Um, I guess I trust, I'm I'm assuming, who do you think starts a quarterback? Kludman? DJ probably. I'll go with DJ. Yeah, that's my guess too. I feel like they would have made an announcement if they were going away from DJ. True. Um, I don't know. He's not Trevor Lawrence. (laughs) No, he's not. All right, Texas, Kansas State. This is one that we disagree on, except for we're both taking the over 54 and a half. Uh, I have Kansas State covering the two and a half point spread. Uh, you have Texas covering it. Uh, I also have them covering it because I have Kansas State winning the game. Uh, you obviously have Texas winning the game. So I'm picking Kansas State because unless something that I am unaware of has happened, what Kansas State did to Oklahoma State last year should be considered, not last year, last week, should be considered a federal crime since they crossed state lines to do it. So I'm going to ride what I feel like is the hot hand here and – Texas has shown flashes, but they haven't shown the top tier consistency yet. So I have to go with the Wildcats because also I still have to believe that if Martinez never got hurt against TCU, I feel like K-State would have taken that game. So I'm going to ride the Wildcats here because they, they haven't shown when they're healthy to be that kind of team that would fall off in a moment like this. So I'm going to trust them. I like that. I, I think that, I mean, obviously last week they just absolutely murdered Oklahoma State. However, I'm going on the flip side here. One, because Texas had very high, I mean, they always have high expectations for the football program. Obviously, Ewers got hurt and that created a little bit of ruffle, but the Sarkeesian turnaround is definitely in full effect. They had a week off last week, which I think is big considering that that Ewers, even though he is back, he gets some time to, to rest up. Um, I think that this is a must-win if, if Texas is, is trying to really complete this turnaround. Is K-State the best team out there? No. However, K-State is hot right now. K-State is, the, is obviously getting more media attention because they just rolled Oklahoma State. Um, and for that reason alone, I'm, I'm saying that I think that Sarkeesian's really going to put a lot of emphasis on this game. Um, I, I, we both think it's, it's going to be a shootout. I'm surprised it's even set at 54. I think that there are going to be a lot of points put up here. Um, that is a surprise uh, to see it that low. Those 12 overs are back in a big way. Uh, yeah. I mean, and I just, I expect you, I, I think viewers is going to ball out. I think that this might be if the Oklahoma game a few weeks ago, wasn't his coming out game or even the Bama game before he got hurt. This is, I think, going to be a statement win for Texas. I'm going to, I'm saying that now, and we'll, we'll, next week we'll probably be laughing at me, but going out on a limb to try to hopefully save my season. <laughs> hey, scared money don't make money, so I can yeah. appreciate you going out on that limb. All right, we're going to wrap it up with this. I kind of pushed us through the other one, so we had a little bit more time to get into what should be the granddaddy of the weekend Everybody knows what it is. It's Tennessee at Georgia. This is 
without a better way, this is it. This is it for both teams. They need this game. Both of them. Tennessee in particular. But they both need this. And somehow Georgia is an eight-point favorite, which I have to admit is really surprising, but also really telling. Because despite the fact that Tennessee beat Alabama, despite the fact that they just handled Kentucky, the oddsmakers are basically telling me that they expect a natural letdown in this game. And I have to admit, I, I believe them. I'm going to take Georgia to win this game because Georgia has been the most like flying under the radar top tier team that I can remember in recent years. They had like scares against Missouri where they almost lost, but they ended up winning. They handled their business. And then they've had games where they have just steamrolled teams. But in terms of like flash and star power, I don't think of Georgia. I would put Tennessee and Alabama still in front of them. Maybe it's because you've got Hennon Hooker and Bryce Young versus Stetson Bennett, the guy who's sooner rather than later going to have a Kia dealership. But, yeah, it's to me, this feels like, you know, how many times can Tennessee be tested when they haven't passed the test in any year previous before they ultimately trip up? Because there's no way that I would believe a team that hasn't done it yet could do it this many times this quickly. And you could say LSU with Joe Burrow, but LSU has a history of doing this. Tennessee is saying, you know, oh, it feels like 98. That was over 20 years ago. Like we're almost talking 25 years. So for all intents and purposes, they haven't done it because none of the kids on this team were even born when this Tennessee program was relevant again. So you've got, you've checked off so many boxes and this is the last box you need to check. And it feels like kind of what we've been saying a little bit with TCU, where we feel like, you know, at some point we feel like the run's going to come to it, just a natural disruption. And this feels like it to me for Tennessee. That said, I'm still going to take Tennessee to cover the eight. I think they, uh, their offense is explosive enough. They'll keep it within a touchdown. I'm going to go over 66 just because I have to imagine that Georgia, in order to win, is going to have to play a little bit of a track meet with them. So give me Georgia hmm. to go a little bit outside their style and do just enough to win. Yeah, I mean, very well said. I think that Georgia is not as sexy of a team as Bama, Tennessee, um, you know, kind of in a way reminds me of what Michigan is right now. Um, but obviously Georgia's a top tier bread and butter. Um, yes, they've suffered a scare. Um, I don't trust Georgia's offense to put up a ton of points, but what I do trust is that Georgia's defense is going to shut down Tennessee's offense. It's something that we really haven't seen at all this year. Um, Bama struggled, but with that being said, in this moment right now, would you take Georgia's defense over Bama's defense? Yeah. Exactly. So I I'm try- I haven't seen Georgia play this caliber of a team yet. It's true. They've had a lot of time to, to – obviously they lost a lot of guys to the NFL last year. I mean, mm-hmm. 
I just I would like to think that the Georgia defensive pedigree is is there. Um, Georgia does not want a shootout. I don't. I really don't think Georgia can hang with a shootout with Tennessee. That's why um, this game is in Georgia, correct? Yes. So it's a home game for them. I think that they're just going to pound the living snot out of the ball and do everything they can to just slow the game down, which Tennessee does not want. And let's be honest, Bama made some really uncharacteristic mistakes in that game against Tennessee, which we've already talked about. I would like to think that Georgia is going to recognize that and say, all right, we need to make sure we don't muff any punts. We're not losing any fumbles here, right? We need to make sure that we're not turning the ball over carelessly or else an offense like Tennessee will just straight out burn you. And even with those mistakes, Bama still only lost by, was it three points or two or three obviously points, a lot. They, they lost on a game winning field goal. So game well, obviously, yeah, they tore down the, the goalposts, but like, I'm going Georgia, Tennessee to cover, but I'm going under. First, and at where I said that some of these lines were just weird this week, doesn't it feel like the Texas game should have the, the 66 line instead of 54? It, it does. It, it really does. And I'm almost looking at going, you're almost like begging me to take the under, so I'm going to go over. Uh, and, and that's kind of what I'm doing with these. I mean, it makes sense, though. Tennessee can – put up points i just i don't know if i trust georgia to win a track so the only thing that i have really kind of add on to the end of this is should tennessee pull off the upset and let me be very very clear about this i want them to because there are some people out there who are like oh tennessee fans are like the most obnoxious college football fans out there um i don't really spend enough time in the tennessee stratosphere to really get that vibe so I either have been like purposefully ignorant of it, but not really on purpose, or it just hasn't really reached where I'm sitting at right here, but I haven't really witnessed it. I want to see a different team, even if it is another SEC team. You know, if LSU were to knock off Alabama and get back to the title game, sure. You could say, Oh, well, that's a different team, but even LSU has done it before. Like, this is a truly different team. You know, if Michigan were to take down Ohio State again and get into the uh, the tournament because they took down Ohio State, yes, they just did it last year, but they haven't done it ever until then, so it would still be a lot of fun to me. You could say USC. Oh, well, guess what? USC is a traditional brand. USC hasn't done it in a while. Same with Texas. So I want teams that even if they are national brands – to do something different so that way college football can feel like the landscape is kind of evening out a little bit. So I want Tennessee to win this game. I just find it hard to believe it until I see it. So if they do that, they should, emphasis on should, cruise the rest of the way because they've got Missouri, South Carolina, and Vandy in a rivalry game, but it's Vandy. The only thing that concerns me is, again, if you check off all those major text box, test boxes, do you get a little comfortable and possibly get tripped up in a game that you shouldn't get tripped up? Maybe a trip to Columbia, South Carolina is a little bit weirder than you think it is. I don't know, but... Carolina's been rolling. Oh, well, they're out of the top 25 now, but they, they have been a little bit better than what they thought they would be at the start of the year. Um, 
but yeah, no, I, I just, I want them to win this. I just can't believe it until I see it. So until I do, I'm going to go with Georgia. There's no real reason for me to go against Georgia, except for the fact that it's Stetson Bennett versus Hedden Hooker. Fair enough. Also, one last note, if Tennessee does win this game, give Hennon Hooker the Heisman. Don't even waste our time with anything else. Truth, truth. I mean, I think Tennessee has to hit a 110% to win this game, considering they haven't won a game like this. Georgia Georgia knocked off Bama twice last year. Yeah. and That's insane. <laughs> the, the other piece for Tennessee, this is only their second major row test. And I would – I'm – kind of saying major with a little bit of hesitation because the other one I'm putting in here is LSU, but they played Alabama in Knoxville. They played their rival Kentucky in Knoxville. They played their rival Florida in Knoxville. Now you got to go on the road and do it. And that's completely different and not to belabor this point, but Chris, this is why I don't, want neutral site games because this is awesome you gotta go into like the most hostile environment you could imagine people down in georgia are going to be tailgating since tomorrow (laughs) like everybody across the country is going to be tuning into this this game should be played on the campus of georgia or tennessee for that matter if it was a uh, home game for tennessee and it is and i love it They shouldn't put this game in Atlanta. They shouldn't put this game in Nashville. No, play it on the campus. This is the right way to do it. I love this. I could not agree more. Bring it. Athens is going to be going wild. Yeah. Well, on that note, you and I are going to wrap up here because you've got some work things that you got to do. You're going to end your office hours and go do some work office things, whatever. Uh, I'm going to go finish up wrapping this episode up, getting it posted, letting the people know that it's out there. Uh, As always, thank you to everybody who listens, and we'll see you guys next week.